Here at Children's Hospital and Medical Center in Omaha, Nebraska, it's just kids, all day, every day. Our pediatric experts are here to answer your questions and weigh in on hot topics, helping you keep your child healthy, safe, and strong. We're here for you. Listen in. Fall 2020 is a new back-to-school season for many, with a mixture of virtual, in-person, and hybrid learning. As parents and students navigate these new changes, we speak to Children's Hospital and Medical Center's educators, Peggy Smith and Margaret McCauley, about how you can help your child be productive and kick off a successful season of learning. My name is Peggy Smith, and I am one of the hospital teachers and school liaisons here at Children's. And I uh, have been here for about seven years. Um, I love my job. Um, I love helping our patients and families with school and kind of helping them take a piece of what's on their plate off their plate so they can focus on their child when they're here. I taught elementary school uh, for 10 years. I taught third grade and fourth grade, absolutely loved it. Um, I taught in Urbandale, Iowa. Uh, then I stayed at home for about 10 years to raise my three kids, and then I came back to Children's, so. I'm Margaret McCauley. Um, I started teaching in Iowa, moved to Wisconsin for a couple years, and then back to Iowa. Um, altogether, I have about 10 years of teaching experience. Um, I taught in the high school, primarily 10th and 12th grade um, in English. And then when we moved to Omaha, found this opportunity. So I've been working here for about a year now. Well, we're here to talk about school and rethinking school. Um, and this is definitely a time in which we need to do that. But we want to just kind of let you know what our job looked like before COVID hit. Pre-COVID is, I think, what everybody's referring to that time as. So um, before COVID impacted every part of everyone's life, we were essentially um, coming alongside families in the hospital, school-age patients, K through 12, um, to support them. Um, and in that role, we did a lot of advocating um, for their educational needs. We did a lot of providing support. We would uh, request support from school that could look like anything from homebound instruction to online learning. Um, we, we requested a lot of online learning and technology support, um, access to school platforms. Now, I, I think we find ourselves in this place of discovering as Margaret and I go through, or as you and I go through meeting our families, we've discovered that the main need families have is for in-person, face-to-face support. It's that human connection of a real life person being there for you to help you with school, whether you're a high schooler or a kindergartner or a seventh grader. Right. Um, that seems to be the piece that's missing that's most important, that connection. Right, and so um, today, what our purpose is, is to help support families and, and students by offering some advice as far as how we can approach educating our children in this exceedingly unique time um, and understanding that each of the needs of our students is unique just as they are um, with our patients in the hospital. 
Um, so whether that be like remote learning, hybrid learning, in-person learning, I'm sure we're all experiencing a lot of flux in terms of how our schools decide to categorize our education at the moment. And so hopefully today we'll be able to offer some advice that you can use um, in some way or find helpful. Yeah, and I think we, we you know, you and I have talked about that it's difficult to offer advice in this time because the context of what's happening now in schools is so varied and different and it's changing daily plans school plans are changing daily from being 100% in person to 100% online to a combination and it's just it's a difficult time to offer advice because really the most important thing that I think we agree on is that um, we want to encourage parents to make a, a safe choice, a smart choice for their family. And what's right for someone's family might not be right for another's. Um, and so giving, giving parents that permission to do what they feel is best based upon the options they have. I like that you said safe choice and not the right choice because you're right. Like it does depend on your specific circumstances and situation. Um, and I think it's important as we start to talk about school and parents' roles in school this year, it's important to acknowledge the um, level of stress and anxiety that we are all under. I listened to, Absolutely. I listened to a, um, I think it was a Facebook Live that Children's did with Dr. Stolman, a hospitalist at yes. Children's. She was amazing and she the person interviewing her, Sarah Weller, said that some of us are experiencing anxiety, and she corrected her and said, no, all of us are. And I thought, oh, that's just so powerful to acknowledge it and to verbalize it. Um, so before we even, like, talk about school, it's important to just be aware, I guess, and acknowledge that that's a real component that affects everyone. So you make a good point. Um, Dr. Stillman made an excellent point. All of us are experiencing anxiety experiencing anxiety um but what, what that anxiety can come from is so many things right now um loss of control loss of feeling safe um fear of the unknown and you know fear of getting sick and i that literally didn't occur to me that there might be kids being afraid of getting sick and right. so we started having this conversation um you know, kids are afraid because they're distanced from their peer relationships. So that support layer is not as um, concrete as it used to be. It's kind of like 100% social media, kind of, um, right. because it's all virtual. Um, so we, we have to acknowledge all those things, you're right, anxiety, but there are so many things that families are dealing with. A lot of families have suffered the loss of a loved one. Uh, or financial hardship, illness. Um, there, there's a lot going on, and and we just need to stop and take a breath before we talk about school. I have had very little experience talking, excuse me, teaching little ones. Uh, I have three young children at home, and I was with them um, in the spring when COVID hit after you know spring break, and I found that incredibly overwhelming to take on teaching my preschooler, um, having just experience in high school. So Peggy, I'm gonna need to lean on you in terms of like tips that parents might want to keep in mind as they approach teaching their young ones. Um, 
what would you say are some highlights as far as teaching little ones? Um, well, that's my background is elementary. And so everything I've ever done with elementary kids, I've tried to make hands on. I've tried to um, make it very concrete. And I've done that through a lot of different ways. You know, kids learn by doing. Um, they learn by watching other people, watching um, processes. They, they learn by writing. They learn by um, listening, by speaking, by counting, by moving, by building. It's all under that umbrella of doing. And so there's so much to be said for the in-person in piece for little kids. That, um, it's super hard to even wrap my head around how that's going to look virtually and um, not and this isn't to criticize any, anybody or anything but I think others are struggling to make that concrete for kids as well I, I recently received some um, school support papers that were intended to help a patient um, who was a kindergarten first grader well they're doing it virtually that this this child can't read so they can't, they can't they can't read the directions at the top and do what they're supposed to do so in that case you're looking at a parent having to put a hundred percent of their time into wow. walking them through school so it's it's everybody rethinking outside of all the boxes right well Mm -hmm. um, now, while my experience was with elementary kids um, in the classroom as a teacher, as a parent, my COVID experience has been with my three college kids. And, you know, it's interesting, they've gone through a different experience than what I've gone through as a teacher. And we talked about things like loss. My kids, as I watched them get sent home, home from college, pack their things and walk away from an entire semester. Um, they were angry, they were, they were struggling and they were, I watched them walk through the process of grief and they're grieving the loss of independence. They're grieving the fact that they have to move home and live with their parents again. I of course was celebrating, but. <laughs> um, but it's that loss of community, a loss of network support networks and I think you know you and I felt that a little bit when we uh were both at home and not working together um, yeah it was hard for me so tell me about your experience teaching older kids what what is that like yeah I absolutely loved it I think that if people are discouraged with the state of the world to become a high school teacher because mm -hmm. I found so much hope in that and interact with that yeah and i i think too that they're in a very unique and precarious situation and that i was looking at the cdc's website to prepare for today and see what they had to recommend for school and mm -hmm. and i i'm i think it was there i don't want to miscredit it but um they said that if you as a parent have multiple children to focus your attention on the little ones and then trust that the older ones can handle it and I'm pretty sure it even said can handle it. But I think that there is this temptation to think that um, they've got it under control, they're used to technology so they can be self-functioning. And while that is like 
very true that a 10th grader would be more equipped to self-regulate than my preschooler. Um, it is so important to acknowledge that they still are developmentally, I don't know if reliant is the right word, but they do depend on their adult figures to step in and advocate and um, check in on them. Because my experience as a high school teacher is that they are so independent and they're um, exploring this newfound independence, but still dependent on the adults around them for direction and interaction and collaboration. Um, mm -hmm. And as a high school teacher, I think that those were the key pieces that I guess I would take away from that. Um, there are so many, if you have a child that's in high school, as you already know, there's so many resources available online, uh, Sparknotes, Google, Right. There's so many out there, Khan Academy, and these are really great tools, but, you know, I taught English and I would always tell my kids Sparknotes is a great tool, but it's not a replacement. Um, if you're not understanding something, there are things to help you. Um, and same goes for the parent. Um, if you're not understanding something, there are resources out there for you. So I think we're both at the place where we find ourselves in this imperfect time and imperfect situation. Um, I think, you know, we need to take what we've learned and apply it. Um, so many parents are struggling to help their kids, to know how to help their kids with school. They're struggling with their own job if they're doing their job from home. Um, if, they're, if they have to go to work, they're struggling to find someone to be at home with their kids. There's just, there's all kinds of scenarios. And so what we need to acknowledge is that it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's, that's the reality right now. Everybody is uncomfortable and it's not just parents. It's teachers who are having to do Zoom or another electronic virtual school platform um, that maybe they're not tech savvy. Um, you know, everybody's kind of outside their comfort zone here. And, and I think probably the least equipped are our kids, our students. Mm, yeah. So it's especially important to pay attention to them. And I learned that, you know, you were talking about your experience with older kids. And um, I had mentioned earlier that, that um, my kids were struggling with coming home. I was processing with my daughter like a few weeks ago and she, she said, mom, I was actually legit depressed. And I was like, oh my word, I did not know that. And I think I took for granted right. that those kids can go off on their own. Oh, you know, you're a college student. You, you, you got this, like go to your room and do your college classes online. That was really hard for them. I underestimated that. And, and I felt really bad, but, but you, um, I learned something. And so, you were doing good at the time too. They were doing the best they could and you were too. Yeah, so and that's what we want to tell parents, so. So um, I need, as an individual, action items. What can I do now that we mm -hmm. have this unique situation? So as Peggy and I were thinking about this as teachers, um, I came across this National Teacher of the Year. I think it was 2010 or 11. Her name is Sarah Brown Wesling. And, in an interview, she encouraged parents, don't try to recreate school, rethink what it can look like for your child and family. And I thought that was so powerful. So we as parents don't need to feel this pressure to recreate school, but instead rethink it. And yes. I just found 
powerful. So um, when we were thinking about this, well, what is it that school offers our kids that is so important that we need to take with us, but not try to recreate and rethink it? So one of the first things we identified was that school offers our kids structure and routine, that every day they know what to expect down to the minute um, mm -hmm. is what that structure that school provides for them. So how can we recreate as parents what that structure and routine looks like? Um, I guess one piece that came to mind for me was building a routine. Even as an adult, you mentioned that your young adult children miss this. Even as an adult, I crave routine. The spring was super hard for me. And one of the reasons I think, you know, there's so much unknown, but then you get thrown into no routine at all. And, and just the unknown and uncertainty is very hard. So we would encourage you in some way to find ways to build a routine. And we'll kind of touch on this a little bit later too. Yeah, another thing we talked about being beneficial um, is building in brain breaks. And so that that's just what we have read about and that's how they call them. That's what they call them and, and what we read about, but um, you can call them whatever you want. But I think what we want parents to understand is that they need to be intentional about carving out that time setting those boundaries to say this is school time from this time to this time from this time to this time we're going to take a break it's going to be this long this is what we're going to do we're going to either have lunch or we're going to go for a walk or we're going to just build in a break they can go do whatever they want um but they need to know that they're going to get a break they need to see a light at the end of the tunnel when mm -hmm. they sit down for the day and i think it's really important to note that boundaries are Put in place to protect what is valuable they're not put in place okay. to control or to punish but to protect what is valuable and it's that time uh the downtime if you will um that's that's valuable it's the routine that's valuable um it's all those things that you talked about in terms of structure of the day that's what's valuable and that's why boundaries are so helpful that's a really thought-provoking way to phrase that. I like that a lot. So kind of going off of boundaries, what came to mind for me is that um, like when I was working from home with three children under the age of four, well, I guess my oldest is five now, um, that boundaries were like almost impossible for me to maintain. And I, I kind of imagine that a lot of parents felt that way, that school or not school at, at this point for me it would be work at children's kind of bled into my home life which bled back into work and then it kind of felt never ending which kind of added to a level of stress and anxiety and and for our students and our patients it is so important for them to be able to to say like i'm not walking out of a door at, at 305 to go home but um there there needs to be some sort of separation in your routine from okay now i'm done with school time and and working my way back into some home time, I don't know, watching TV or whatever that boundary looks like for you kind of depends upon your children's age, but finding a way to designate school day versus work day that could help to right. decrease some anxiety. Exactly, that's exactly what I was gonna say is that's one way we can help our kids is putting boundaries in place to reduce anxiety. Kind of going off of that, in terms of like separating work from school proverbially, I. I've also reached out to some teacher friends and asked for some advice what they would give based on their experience from last spring. And a lot mentioned that like 
the physical location of school, quote unquote school, is important to consider. Like if you're setting up school in your kitchen, maybe you literally step away from the kitchen and um, have some family time out on your porch or in a bedroom or I don't know, wherever, um, just to kind of give your mind that mental cue that you're leaving school and then in a new space and maybe you can leave school behind for a little bit. Yeah, and they need to learn to be good advocates for themselves in the older grades. They're growing into young adults, and I try to do that with all the kids that you and I work with, um, just to encourage them, because there's so much going on in their life. We have kids here at the hospital who, or in clinic, who, you know, maybe they've lost their hair, or maybe uh, their shirt is off, and they have a infusion going on. Um, mm -hmm. They don't want to be on screen. There's plenty of other acceptable reasons to not want to be on screen. Um, right. So. Yeah, I was looking, helping to support a patient and looking at their new schedule. They're learning remotely and they do have so much throughout their day that's devoted to being on Zoom and you know, points are attached to attendance via Zoom. So you bring up a really good point that, yes, that is a reality, but we also need to acknowledge that not every kid is comfortable or maybe able for whatever reason, medical or personal to, mm -hmm. to, I don't know, to attend or be present on Zoom. So those were some points to consider as far as rethinking the structure and the routine that we're presented with today, how we can rethink it and adapt it to whatever your family's reality is. Um, something else that schools provide kind of in that similar vein um, schools provided our kid, kids with a sense of security, um, and this arguably is one of the most challenging parts of this COVID isolation that we're faced with, is that social-emotional aspect. Yes. Um, both kids and adults, I think, are experiencing what isolation does to them. Um, but I guess uh, when I was doing some research, found a really thought-provoking quote, and I'm going to share it if that's okay. It's important to acknowledge that anxiety students might be feeling. Uh, chronic stress and trauma can interrupt the learning process. You can help by incorporating social emotional learning. Social emotional learning can help students to ultimately learn better. Um, and so like at school, if students were able to physically be there, they'd have so many resources to help them with developing that social emotional learning. Yes. Referred to like, your guidance counselors, your school psychologists, nurses, teachers. Um, peers. Peers, absolutely, yeah. That's a really good point. Um, and we're not gonna have like face-to-face -face access to that necessarily. I mean, you can Zoom, but that physical interaction you won't necessarily have, um, at least for a little while. But as parents, we can rethink how we can provide those supports to our kids while they're home with us. And that's a really, you make a really good point um, about their support network at school. And I saw that with my college kids, they lost their whole support network, all their clubs, all their committees, all their classmates. Um, it's a really big piece of it. You're pretty much taking away um, the structure in their world. Yeah, so I actually have some friends who are, yoga teachers and instructors, and I have one friend in particular whose um, curriculum she's participating in developing is being adopted by school districts in her area. And I, one of the, so I was asking her, like, how do I, how would I support social emotional well-being 
and like my children, even my own children are students. And um, she offered some really interesting, helpful advice about practicing mindfulness as a way that we as parents could support our kids from home. And that maybe is a buzzword, but also could be something that we um, make super simple. We break it down to encouraging our kids to feel what they're feeling. Um, it could just helping your kid process their emotion, whatever that looks like. If that's a simple check-in, maybe that's the way that your family operates or like a mm -hmm. more conversation is appropriate. Um, breathing exercises, practicing uh, meditation. There's lots of different ways to help kids to be aware of what they're feeling, acknowledge it, kind of what we mentioned earlier, and then using that as a way to help them to feel socially, emotionally supportive. Yes. yes. And I think we have to address, intentionally address their emotions with them and help them process their emotions, like you said. And some of the simplest ways I've heard to do that that anybody can do is to say, you know, what was good today? What was good about your school time or your virtual learning today? And what was hard today? And then process through those, why was it hard? What can you do to minimize that? Or what was good and how can we incorporate more of that into your learning? Um, the other thing, I always think of Fred Rogers. It, with COVID-19, it, it brings him to mind. and. He always said, look for the helpers. And so if we can find a way to help our kids, think of a way to be a helper in this time, I think that that helps them step outside of themselves and empower them and help them feel like they can maybe make a difference in a pandemic. If you can make a difference on a good, on a regular day, it's good, but during a pandemic um, where your whole world has been redefined, um, that's, that's going to be a pretty powerful memory for them. In that uh, same vein of rethinking school and not recreating, um, the last piece that we had thought about in terms of offering support to families would be to rethink what academics and ap academic support looks like. Um, and again, rethinking and not create recreating. This is perhaps the most stressful for parents. I don't want to like overstep because I don't have any kids that are older. Would you say that that is true for you, Peggy? Yes, absolutely. It's tricky. Yeah, so. I want to be respectful, and but I want to support and encourage at the same time. Right, yeah. So what I would say, I'm trying to think of it as like if I were still teaching my 12th graders and helping their parents to support them, um, teachers are not asking parents to come up with new curriculum entirely like teachers are sending you the curriculum they're sending their students the curriculum and asking them to execute it um, and as I said before I've reached out to a lot of friends who are teaching right now and have taught during the spring and the pandemic and biggest piece of advice that they had was to ask questions that they would much rather ask parents come forward and say you know what this piece of what you asked me to do or asked my child to do doesn't make sense to me, can you please explain it? Or can you please give me some resources um, to clarify rather than just keeping on um, with the learning and not understanding these pieces along the way. Um, another piece that can help your family to rethink what school looks like, and this would probably be my biggest piece of advice, would be to invest in some sort of 
visible schedule to keep track of everything. Um, I've worked with a couple patients who um, are in a school district that's teaching remotely and they have these Zoom schedules that are so demanding where from X time to the next time they're in this class and then they have some free time. But as a parent, I'd want to know like what time is devoted to which class, when do you have a break? Um, so maybe a visible schedule could help you guys keep track of that. Um, I know that when I was teaching in high school, I would always keep on the board a uh, schedule of what we were doing each day of the week. So when they came in Monday, they'd know what we were doing that day. And then also the days that followed. So how do we build to what we're doing Friday? And I think that they thrived on that predictability. I know I did. I thrived on that predictability. Um, and so that like very simple thing of just having this dedicated space to um, talking about what our day and our week is going to look like is really important. But then we're talking out both sides of my mouth here, but if you don't know what the next day is going to look like, I think that that is totally fine and we should give ourselves that grace too. get through one day at a time. It's going to be a surprise day. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, even I'm thinking back when I'm hearing you talk about this, I'm thinking back to when I was teaching third and fourth graders and how much they needed, you know, was it a day or B day and what schedule, what time do we have PE today? And um, you know, just all the different things in the day, they wanted that visually up on the classroom wall somewhere and, kids crave routine they really do right. mm -hmm. and, and I think that it helps them feel safe right and in that same vein when we were teaching I I can even remember what block one was it was 752 to 847 or something oh my word <laughs> but that is no longer relevant and I think today we should kind of allow ourselves to break free from those constraints and I don't mean to like offer advice that would contradict what your school district's doing, but if you are from home and are able to kind of build your own schedule with your kids, maybe try to like focus instead on like blocks of productivity. I had been doing some research and someone had recommended that and I thought that was interesting that instead of like reading being from eight to nine and math from nine to ten, maybe just say that in this time we're going to work on these objectives and um, once you accomplish that we can move on to the next thing so allow some flexibility within your day if you can um, but again knowing that not all school districts are kind of offering that same flexibility in terms of zoom schedules or whatever they're using I think it's really important that we as parents support our child's teachers and yeah. so if they want something taught a certain way at a certain time um, whether it's being behind a schedule and supporting that, or whether it's being behind the method of teaching multiplication and supporting that, that we just need to respect them as professionals and support them. And we can always add to our child's learning. Inevitably, as a third and fourth grade teacher, there was always the long division, short division debate, and parents wanted to do it their own way. And that's great. But, you know, let, let us do our thing, and you can certainly add to your child's options for how to solve problems with your old archaic ways <laughs> that you are. I'm already scared to help my little ones with math. I just imagine that it's so I'll different. help them. You call me. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> um, 
Another piece of academic support that we can provide to our, our kids now would be um, to advocate for them, to not be afraid to advocate for the needs that they have. If that means um, if they have a special learning um, accommodation to try to find ways to, to get those accommodations given to you at home and whatever that might look like. Um, advocate for even yourself and your understanding of what is expected of them. Um, yeah, absolutely. I really like what I'm seeing from some school districts in our area that they're having office hours, like a designated time outside of like their Zoom schedules where kids can like contact them and go over any um, confusions. And I think that's helpful for parents too, to know that this time is when they can too reach out to their teachers and mm -hmm. um, ask for some clarification. So we have this support that's available to us as families, but it's just knowing how and when and in what way we can access it. Yep, and just as how we were talking about processing with kids, you know, what was good today and what was hard today, I think we need to have that similar conversation with teachers if it's warranted, if you feel like, if parents feel like it's needed, where we say, you know, these are my child's strengths, this is where they're doing well, these are areas where they're really struggling and I need some ideas, I need some help. But I think when we ask those questions, and we definitely need to ask those questions, we need to be open to try new things too. And sometimes trying new things is hard. Absolutely. Change is hard, that's for sure. You no, know, I think we all need to be flexible. And um, I think maybe the most important thing would be to offer grace to each other. Um, I think we're all doing the best that we can. And, you know, there are no right answers here, wrong answers, but this is a time where everybody's in the same boat. Everybody's struggling. It, everybody has something that's hard right now. And so if we can just remember that as we communicate with our child's teachers and school teams and our kids, that um, I think that's a really important piece. Yeah, I, to, to build off of that, um, I was looking at a resource that a behavioral health provider shared. It's from Mental Health America, and it's a back to school COVID, coping during COVID, they call it a school kit. And they provided some, I'd encourage people to, to look at for it if they wanted some additional support um, for their family's mental health. Um, but there was one where they gave some advice to teachers, to students, and then to parents. And there was different advice, but then one, thread that was woven through all was to focus on what we can control um, and then be empowered by those things that we can control. So for parents, we can control what the school day looks like to a certain extent. There's a lot that we can't control, but there are things that we can um, that can help us to be successful and support our kids um, and set them up for success. So I thought that was an empowering thought um, to leave with. Yeah, at the end of the day, that's all we really can do um, from a healthy perspective. You know, focus on what we can do as parents, help our kids focus on what they can do as students, and how we can, you know, do the best we can with our teachers. So, not be afraid to look for help and support from others. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. Yeah. I've loved talking through this with you and, um, I think we've learned a lot and discussed a lot of important points and um, 
just want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you for listening to Just Kids Health. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Visit childrensomaha.org for more information on how we can help your child.